when I hear from people, okay, I get it. You're telling me that I don't have to care about things that other people think I should care about. I don't have to give an F about those things. I understand. I'm ready. I want to do this. But how do I actually say no to those things, like to other people's faces? Because I'm still a little nervous about that. What's up, everyone? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and welcome to episode 22 of Be More Well. Joining me this week is the anti-guru herself, Sarah Knight, author of the No Fucks Given Guides. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast that started after I found myself looking for inspiration and ways to get my mind and body on a better track. Each week, I have conversations with health professionals, educators, musicians, trainers, athletes, and most importantly, people just like you and I. My mission here is to bring you stories from folks about how they found their path to wellness, as well as information and inspiration from experts in the field. You know, just like you, I'm working on becoming the best version of myself, and I hope that you're able to find some insight in these conversations. So we've all heard of self-help gurus. In fact, I've spoken to a few people on this podcast that might qualify as that. They're often a wealth of knowledge and advice that we can use to help change our lives for the better. But sometimes we need a little bit of a stronger push, right? A slightly more potty-mouthed push, we'll say. I'm all for positivity and taking a deep breath to relax and letting the good in and sending the bad away. But if I'm being honest, I respond better to someone telling me to get my shit together and calm the fuck down. And that's where Sarah Knight comes in. Dubbed the anti-guru, Sarah is the author of five books called The No Fucks Given Guides. It all started when she left her corporate job and started over. She wrote the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, and her new career was born. She's since added four more books to the collection and a couple of notebooks too, including her latest, Fuck No, How to Stop Saying Yes When You Can't, You Shouldn't, or You Just Don't Want To. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this conversation today. So I'll admit that this conversation actually happened earlier this year, but just kind of felt like a great time to put it back out there into the world again. I don't know about you, but I could use a little inspiration right now to take control of my life. These Zoom calls are really starting to drive me crazy. Like, how can this person that lives miles and miles and miles away from me still have control over my life through a computer? I don't know. Somehow, I still feel like they do, and that's why I'm going back to Sarah Knight's advice. She's a gift that has been put on this earth for all of us to enjoy, and I hope you like this conversation. Before we jump into the interview, though, don't forget to subscribe to Be More Well on whatever platform you're listening on right now, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever. Subscribing will make sure that you're getting updated on new episodes of the podcast, and if you feel like leaving a rating and review, I'd really appreciate that. That's how the podcast powers that be recognize what shows are making an impact and which ones they want to push out to new listeners. Sarah Knight, how are you? I am fine, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I am doing great. I like this little annual tradition that we now have, uh, catching up and talking yeah. about your books. Yeah, you know, first we have we have Christmas, then we have New Year's, and then we have talking about sweary self-help. <laughs> so speaking of that, I have to ask you, when we were going back and forth via email setting this whole interview up, you asked me if you were allowed to curse during the interview or not. Like, do you have to go into a mental preparation mode uh, for the interviews where you can't curse? It is, it is advisable that I think about that for, you know, 10 minutes before I get on the phone with anybody, just in case things slip out. <laughs> and I suppose that happens from time to time. So I will tell you this. Uh, I know I said it in the email, but feel free. Um, I may not all the time, but feel free to let them drop whenever you want. Okay, as long as I'm not, you know, accruing any fines on your behalf. No, I think you'll be okay. And if okay. there is anything, I'll make sure I send the bills straight to you. That's okay. 
Okay, good luck getting those to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so Sarah Knight, the author of the No F's Given Guides, and the latest one is called, uh, I'll just go ahead and do it, F No, How to Stop Saying Yes When You Can't, You Shouldn't, or You Just Don't Want To. Uh, congratulations. Uh, it's book number five, I believe, right? It is. It is book number five in uh, in four years. So, Which is pretty impressive. I mean, when you look back to that moment where you decided you had to make a change in your life and, and go in this direction, did you have this ultimate plan in mind or has it just kept growing as time goes? Oh, I had no plan in mind. I was busy being terrified of leaving my corporate job and going freelance. So each book has been, you know, one small step uh, toward a future of continuing to be an author. And it's been pretty gratifying, but I definitely did not hope for or expect that it would happen this way. Well, let's take a step back really quick because you just mentioned your corporate job and leaving that. And, you know, I'm pretty familiar with your story because we've spoken a few different times, but I'm sure there are people listening right now that maybe don't know your background. So why don't you give a little bit of that background here so we know where you're coming from? Sure. For 15 years, I was a book editor in New York City. I started at the editorial assistant level and climbed my way up the ladder to senior editor. And in 2015, I left that job and, you know, indeed that entire career. And really, I left it behind not because I didn't love the work and and not because I wasn't having a lot of success. I published a ton of bestselling books, really enjoyed working with writers and collaborating Uh, on both fiction and nonfiction, but I was really unhappy in the corporate life. I was depressed and I was extremely anxious and and started having panic attacks in the office and just knew I had to make a big life change. So how, like, what was the moment there where you were just like, oh my gosh, like it's time to cut it all and just start over and do something different? Well, I I had a panic attack in my corporate office Uh in a high rise in midtown Manhattan. And that's what started me down the path of thinking maybe something's got to give. And I don't think it's appropriate to tell a couple of stories about some interactions with colleagues at my last job that sealed the deal in my mind. Um, but, (laughs) But I would say that I thought about it for a really long time and I embarked on a one-year plan for saving money, uh, which had the added bonus of mentally preparing me over the course of a year to, to to give that two weeks notice. So that is all detailed actually in the second book, which was called Get Your Shit Together. So I feel like a lot of people get to that point where they're like, man, I, I'm just not happy here. I've got to do something different. But the actual leap, you know, taking that leap to do something different, that's the terrifying part here. How did you take that leap? Like what was the what was the way that you were able to tell yourself it's OK, especially, you know, you don't you, the future was uncertain, but you still had this thought. It's OK that I do this. Well, it was a matter of desperation. I'd reached a point in my own physical and mental well-being where I didn't feel like I had a choice. I, I felt like I have got to make this change because it is untenable to live the way that I am yeah. living. Um, and I also you know, was very lucky to have an extremely supportive partner in my husband who was constantly telling me, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, but I am the type of person who kind of doesn't want to be told that and wants the unvarnished truth and wants somebody to say, you know what, this might be hard. This might suck. This might bring about a whole new series of challenges, but you can do it. You know, and that was really more what it was about is I thought if I'm going to bet on anyone, I'm going to bet on Sarah Knight. So even though I wasn't sure that um, the life that I was heading into both, you know, as a freelancer with an uncertain income and also leaving New York City to move to the Dominican Republic, I wasn't sure that the life itself was going to be okay. I realized that I could be pretty sure that I was going to handle it in the best possible way. 
And yeah. that confidence is what brought me over the edge. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I had uh, I wish I had placed money on you because the Vegas odds weren't good, yeah. but it seems to have worked out great so far. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, there's going to be a few more books coming, so maybe you should. Uh, Talk to your bookie. I think I'm going to have to do that. So, I mean, you're pretty successful so far. So things have been going pretty well for you. But what were some of the struggles that maybe you faced at the very beginning? I, I was, you know, as somebody coming from the insider publishing, having that 15-year career as an editor, I had a lot of knowledge of how the industry worked. And that worked for me in some ways. But it also worked against me and others because I was constantly having these conversations in my head about, you know, well, what do they really think? What does my publisher really want? What are they talking about behind closed doors? Because I knew what I was talking about behind sure. closed doors uh, when I was publishing my author's book. So I definitely had to temper my insider knowledge of the industry uh, and a little bit of the jadedness that came with that in order to be excited and confident uh, and creative in, in pursuing, you know, my, my brand. And I had to really decide what that brand was going to be. Yeah. You know, the first book was intended as a a funny, affectionate parody of a best-selling Japanese tidying guide. And in the last four years, I've had to become my own real, actual brand and be very, um, you know, careful and strategic with how I grow that. And uh, and that has been probably the biggest challenge. Well, before we dive into the book here, the new book, um, and I want to talk a little bit more about your brand too, if we have time. Uh, but is there ever a moment where you look back and you regret anything that you've done? Absolutely not. Okay. No, the decision to leave my job was was the best decision of my life, and writing these books has been uh, a joy and and extremely profitable. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I love to hear that for you. That's for sure. And I got to tell you, Sarah, because uh, I, I I always joke with people whenever I'm suggesting they read your book. I always say, not only am I a spokesperson, but I'm also a client because I've read all your books <laughs> and I've taken a lot of the advice that you've given. I mean, there is some really phenomenal advice in here that I hope people pick up and check out. Thank you so much. So this new one, uh, F No, it, it seems it's the fifth one in the series, and it kind of seems almost like a response to some of the other books. Am I off base here? No, you're absolutely correct. I consider it a bookend to the original title, uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck. And I believe that what happened over the last four years is uh, that first book has sold, uh, you know, over and over again, all over the world. And I hear from people, okay, I get it. You're telling me that I don't have to care about things that other people think I should care about. I don't have to give an F about those things. I understand. I'm ready. I want to do this. But how do I actually say no to those things? Like to other people's faces, because I'm still a little nervous about that. So over time, uh, you know, as the other books came out into the world, I was thinking about a companion book, um, and that turned into Fuck No, which is all about literally word for word how to say no, not just how to get to it in your own mind, but how to express it to other people. It's incredible how difficult it actually is to say that two-letter word. I mean, it is. It's, a, it's two letters, it's one syllable, and for some reason it causes more angst you know, than almost anything else on the planet. You know, it's funny, your book started to come out at a time when I was doing a lot of, you know, sort of soul searching in my own life. And I wasn't totally happy with the situations that I found myself in and, and following along with your books with the help of some others as well. I've started to take back control of my life and saying no is really one of the biggest things that has helped me in the last year. I've been getting a lot better at saying no and, and being comfortable with that decision. But it is something that people just 
you know, they're not really there yet. Yeah, I think that a lot of the struggle comes in our own heads. And, you know, I write about this in some chapters on guilt and obligation in the book where you feel this obligation, but it is it is more often than not perceived and not actual. You know, obligation is when you have to show up at your office every day in order to keep your job. Your obligation is to be there to get paid to do this job. But there are all kinds of other perceived obligations and guilt that comes along with those perceived obligations that are not real. And in the book, I, you know, I help people practice ways to break down, is it just me? Am I putting this guilt on myself? Is somebody else putting it on me? Is it justified? And if it's not, how can I say no in an honest and polite way? You know, there's no need to be a jerk about it. Um, But to take back that ownership of my time, energy and money. And the reality is that, you know, you can't spend it all all day, every day on other people and things that you don't want to do or you'll have none left. Guilt is a major factor. And I also find that a lot of people are not expecting to hear the word no. So I'll find that I tell people in my life, I'll tell them no about certain things, but they still expect me to do it. So when I don't do it, they come back like, hey, you know, why weren't you at this event or why didn't you get this? And I said, well, I literally told you no. What what didn't you hear about that? And I, I just feel like people are not accustomed to hearing the word no either. They're not accustomed to it. And I actually think that we would all be doing each other a favor to say it more often, you know, be the no that you want to hear in the world, because the more often you say it to people and you mean it and you stick to it, the more they, the next time they want to say no to something are going to go, huh, remember that time Jeff said no, and he really didn't do the thing and the world didn't end. Maybe I can say no to this. Yeah, it's pretty amazing when the world doesn't end, right? Like everybody thinks like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then you're like, oh, uh, yeah, the next day happened just as it would have any other time. Yeah, and you had more time, energy, and money on your hands to do whatever you wanted to be doing instead of the thing that you didn't want to be doing that you said no to. It is the amazing thing. Like my wife and I, we got married back in December, so we're still kind of rebuilding our bank account right now after spending everything (laughs) that we had uh, on the wedding. And we've told each other like, hey, we're going to be hermits for a couple of months. Like we need to say no to different events. We need to say no to doing, you know, dinners or whatever, because we need to save this money back and uh, and be able to create that. And there is, it's a very freeing feeling. Like, I hope anybody listening will understand, like, it's, it feels awesome to say no. So once you get past that guilt, it feels amazing. Yeah, it's very liberating. And I tell people, you know, just try it once. And I sort of feel like a, like a drug pusher. Uh, Come on, (laughs) get a taste. But when you just get past, like I said, that guilt and obligation that's living mostly in your own head, and you you take that step and you say no out loud and it works, that is really thrilling. That is a revelation. And then you get excited about it and then you can do it again and it's easier. And then you can do it again with more confidence. And pretty soon you are shedding those layers of guilt and obligation because you've realized that, hey, this really works and it makes me feel good. Where saying no impacts me personally and just because of the time of my life is mostly at work and with relationships with friends. Um, but I imagine parents that may be you know, having a hard time with their children, that saying no is also something that they really need to grab a hold of. I feel like the parenting styles have changed so much over the years where we kind of give the kids whatever they want. But I imagine, you know, looking at this book, you, you probably have something in here about family. There is a section on children and full disclosure, I do not have children. I talk about this very openly in the book. Um, But as I say, you know, you can decide not to read that section because you think that I don't have good advice to give on parenting since I am not a parent. But then you may also not wish to, say, go to a male gynecologist or purchase 
a, you know, $3,000 television from a Best Buy employee who does not own one in their own home. Um, <laughs> I do feel like I'm, I'm qualified to give advice on saying no. And I do think that that extends to saying no to your children, even though I'm not a parent. And I do have some really fun exercises. I think they're fun exercises for parents um, to try. And I did workshop them on my various editors and publishers who, who are parents themselves, and they were extremely into them. So do get to the end of the book and do read that stuff about kids and, and maybe it'll alleviate some of the, some of the pressure of parenting, you know, even just once a week, um, playing a little, what would Sarah Knight do game with your kids? <laughs> you know, back a few years ago, I made it a, a goal for my own personal life to read more. And I thought that in that process, it would help train me to read faster. And it still really hasn't. I'm still such a painfully slow reader that I'll get these books two or three weeks before an interview. And still I'm like, oh my God, I'm only halfway through. Why can't I finish this? Well, you probably retain more. My husband is an extraordinarily slow reader and he remembers everything he's ever read. I will blow through, you know, four books a week, but I can't remember what I read last month. <laughs> well, Sarah, let's talk a little bit about the future here, because you did mention earlier in the interview that you've got more books coming. Do you have uh, sort of an end game here, or is it just kind of like, well, that one worked. Let's try the next one. Uh, pretty much the latter. What, what happened over the last couple of years is that as the books did so well and grew, we found there would be a market for journals. So I've also published two companion journals. Yeah. Uh, one for Get Your Shit Together and one for Calm the Fuck Down. So this year I'm putting out a companion journal for the original No F's Given Guide, uh, The Life-Changing Magic. So that's coming out. And then I've actually got a different sort of book under contract, uh, which is a collection of personal essays. So they are going to be uh, just as funny, probably slightly less sweary because, you know, I don't need to say the F word quite so much uh, <laughs> in a in personal essay, but um, but really focused on exactly the kind of stuff I write about, which is, you know, mental health and wellness and finding your place in the world and also saying out loud the things or saying on the page the things that you guys are already thinking but might be afraid to admit. Um, and I, you know, I'm really excited about writing it because I think that it is going to be satisfying to people who have already read and loved the, the No Fucks Given Guides, but a different kind of, um, you know, a little bit more sort of creative and thoughtful writing experience for me. If I could borrow you for just a couple more minutes, I want to go back to when you mentioned brand and how you had to design mm -hmm. your brand, because you said the first book kind of came out as a, a sort of tongue in cheek um, play on another very popular book. And then at that point, you realized, OK, people are into this. So now we have to keep moving this forward. What was it like to create that brand? Because it was a brand that you didn't necessarily knew even existed when you wrote the first book. Yeah, I mean, I thought of myself as a burgeoning humor writer, and then I turned into a self-help guru. <laughs> and uh, and that was because the advice that I was giving was really resonating with people. And actually, the Observer magazine in the UK called me the anti-guru. Yeah, and yeah. that stuck because the the content and delivery of the books are you know somewhat contradictory to a lot of the other material that's out there in the self-help world. And I really liked that. And I wanted to work with it, but I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't uh, overstepping my bounds. You know, I'm not a licensed therapist. I haven't studied cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm certainly not a doctor. So in my effort to, you know, continue branding myself as, uh, you know, someone who gives advice as a profession, you know, someone who is in that self-help sphere, I found that the best way to do it is just to be really authentic, to just be incredibly transparent about my life, my problems how I fix them, how that might work for you, acknowledge that it might not work for you, um, and be able to have that level of, of humor and truth in my writing 
and also be someone who has uh, a legitimate platform to, you know, to speak those truths to other people. So it, it was a balancing act when I was suddenly anointed um, self-help guru. And I, I'm trying to, you know, tell that line as, uh, as thoughtfully as I can. Well, I think you're doing a pretty fantastic job. Uh, Sarah Knight, I'm about to do something that I've never done in my nearly 20-year radio career. I am going to say the F word. I'm going to say your new book is called Fuck No, How to Stop Saying Yes When You Can't, You Shouldn't, or You Just Don't Want To. Uh, fantastic book. If somebody wants to follow along with you, where should they go um, to find out more? They can go to nofucksgivenguides.com. That's plural. There is everything about me, everything about the books, all the downloads, all the extras, all of my social media. It's all on there. Nofucksgivenguides.com. You know, even though it's totally okay that I said that word in this interview, I'm sweating now. Like, I'm nervous. Because I'm like, I've never <laughs> well, <I'm> said honest. this. <laughs> well, Sarah, seriously, thank you so much for taking some time. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I really seriously love these books. I'm not just saying it because I'm interviewing you. I'm such a fan. And uh, I'm really excited to see what comes next. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. And I'm sure we'll talk again next year. I certainly hope so. Sarah, have a great day. You too. Right. Bye. Well, just got to say a huge thank you to Sarah Knight for joining me on Be More Well. I look forward to our next conversation, which, if history is any indicator, will likely happen at the start of 2021. Got to keep that trend alive. And thank you so much for listening to Be More Well. Until next week, take care of yourselves.